Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and changemaker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Jen Koken is an author, life coach, and comedian whose company is called Embrace the Ridiculousness of Life. She is the author of the book, When I Die, Take My Panties, Turning Your Darkest Moments into Your Greatest Gifts. A Washington, D.C. area resident, Jen believes everything that comes our way is meant to teach us about ourselves. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here because I love the title. Well, thank you. The podcast, yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, we focus on figuring out how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. And I'm telling you, no matter how many people we interview, how many answers we get, it's still a mystery and such an individual journey. So I can't wait to hear your answers to this. (laughs) Thank you. So I want to jump into the humor side of what you do, um, because actually, I'll, I'll be honest, full disclosure, I don't have a great sense of humor. Like I take things very seriously. So whenever I hear that um, somebody says they bring humor into everything and it's a way of how they make meaning, I'm fascinated because I'm like, teach me. How do I do this? So tell me, how do you infuse everything with humor? Well, it's so interesting because I'm actually, I did a, a workshop for a group of advocates on how to infuse humor into their advocacy and was just meeting with a cancer group last week of how to have their survivors who are lobbying members of Congress Uh infuse humor into sharing their cancer stories. Oh my gosh. How Um, does that work? That sounds like a challenge. Well, my first book, you know, I wrote it to inspire people to live their best life now instead of waiting for the, you know what, to hit the fan. Okay. And I wrote it as an homage to my mom who had passed away from ovarian cancer Mm. and Part of my impetus of writing the book, and the reason it's called When I Die, Take My Panties, is my mother told me to take her underwear. (laughs) She opened the street. She was like, yeah, about a month before she died, she's like, here, here's some jewelry. I want you to have this or that. And she opened up this drawer with very expensive lingerie. And she said, I need you to take these because Goodwill won't take them. And you shouldn't throw them away. (laughs) I love it. They go to waste. So in the midst of doing all that, I was doing a, a show in Denver and I, I called my um, comedy coach and said, you know, I'm really struggling with writing content for the show because I always write content based on my current, whatever's happening in my life, it, whether it's dating, relationships, yeah. whatever the goofiness is. And I said, because she goes, well, why are you struggling? And I said, well, because of my mom's cancer. I don't want to offend anybody. And she looked at me. She said, cancer's offensive. Yeah. Offend people. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think the best way to say it is I try to remember that God and the universe and life has a giant sense of humor. Okay. And the stuff people do is so absurd. And the key <laughs> is here, don't take it personally because right. it's not personal to right. you. That's the key is to finding humor and everything. Just don't take it personally. Yeah. They are on their own journey. They, they aren't even paying you no never mind. 
Yeah. Really? <laughs> I love it. I love it. They okay. don't care like about you. They're on their own, in their own little world, their own yes. little bubble. <laughs> You're right. So don't take it personally and just try to see the humor. I love that. I'm going to work on it. I'll let you know if okay. I succeed. I'm not sure, okay, but I'll do my best for sure. <laughs> okay. So um, I was reading about how you have this great daily routine that keeps you grounded and focused and that includes meditation and journaling and tensions and things like that. Can you take me through that routine? and how you built it? Yeah, it's been a many years in coming and it, sometimes it comes and it goes, but I'm on a 42 day streak right now of meditating twice a day. And nice. a, yeah, originally um, I went to a meditation workshop and had, you know, I really loved it and I loved how calm it made me feel. Yeah. Uh, people who, who meditate are 84% more productive when oh, they meditate. Love it. You know, but their their recommendation was you take really she wanted me to do it three times a day, Ooh. morning, mm-hmm. middle of the day, evening, twenty minutes, all silent. I was able to get to there, mm-hmm. but then you know, life takes over, you get busy. And I found an app that I love called Calm. Okay. C A L M. There's other meditation apps out there. I know people use Headspace and there's some other ones. Mm-hmm. But I do my meditation in the morning before I get out of bed. Mm. Okay. So I sit up in bed and I run my app. And then once I get out of bed, the next thing I do, if all goes well with my day, which it didn't quite do this morning Hmm. because I was excited to get some work done, (laughs) um, is I'll sit down and I'll journal. And it doesn't have to be long. I mean, the key is reflection. Yeah. And you can do it for a a couple minutes while if you're somebody who exercises first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm reflect while you're exercising what worked the day before what what didn't work what do you want more of in your day and so I kind of go through five things I'm grateful for and you can think about these or write them down and then I always write down 10 dreams as if they've already happened Hmm. because we know right that visualization Mm -hmm. the brain doesn't distinguish between being at the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. or thinking about it. Sure. So sure. when we're when we're writing those things down, we are able to begin to visualize them coming to life. Mm-hmm. And then I always, you know, set my intention. What I want? What do I want more of? I want more joy and less worry. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then I always end with an I am. I am brilliant and beautiful, fabulous, mm-hmm. and people are dying to work with me. I shouldn't say that. Probably people love to work with me. I should say people are. <laughs> dying to work with me. Right. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Just lost another client there. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's great. How long does all this take you? So, I mean, it's meditation, 20 minutes, journaling. Like, how much time do you spend on that? Um, if all is well, I'm, you know, probably the whole thing takes me less than an hour. And honestly, on some days, I'm only meditating 10 minutes. Okay. And then I'm taking 10 or 15 minutes to journal. So the whole thing can take me less than a half hour. Okay. I just make sure I do it every day. So if I've got 20 minutes, mm-hmm. then it's a quick five minute meditation or 10 minute meditation and quick 10 minutes of journaling to set my intention. And sometimes if I don't get to do those things, uh, you can do something where you're practicing mindful walking to get to my car, mm, concentrating okay. on your feet, or maybe I'm mindfully drinking my beverage in the morning if it's a smoothie or tea or whatever, or eating mm-hmm. my food mindfully and spending a few minutes because mindfulness is about being present mm-hmm. yeah, and in the moment. That's really what it's about. So, you know, even taking, sitting in bed for five minutes and just focusing on your breath for as long as you can. Yeah, Absolutely. 
That's really powerful. I, I used to meditate um, and also did the twice a day, first thing in the morning and then like around four in the afternoon. And when I did that, I was calmer, like you said, and I, I was more productive, um, didn't worry as much. I know it has health benefits. And then I just sort of got out of the practice of it. And I, I think about it all the time. I need to get back there and haven't quite. But um, when you're in that routine, it is so grounding. It's just, it's really grounding. It is. And um, honestly, what I did was, so I'm Jewish and the month of October is Yom Kippur, which mm-hmm. is our day of atonement. And mm-hmm. so I usually do a detox around Yom Kippur mm-hmm. as my way of atoning for all the sins I've inflicted on my body by eating too much sugar, caffeine, mm-hmm. not exercising enough. Mm-hmm. And I made my, getting back into meditation part of that routine awesome. as a gift myself. Mm-hmm. And what's been great is it gives me a prompt in the morning mm-hmm. to remember to do it. And sometimes I'll go and answer a few emails mm-hmm. or I'll check Facebook before I do it. Uh-huh. And at the end of the night at 10 o'clock, I have it prompt me, Hey, it's start. It's time for you to wind down and go to bed. Mm. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just listen to the sound of the ocean to drift off to sleep because I water when I'm around water, that's my best thinking. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you just got to start and don't, you know, it's baby steps. So yeah. start small. Some people think you're supposed to meditate for 45 minutes at a mountaintop and, you know. <laughs> but but sitting so on the couch can be okay or in bed or, you know, as long exactly. as you're getting there and getting quiet. I love that. Um, so, you know, I want to hear about your eight-week course, Eight Weeks to Soulful Living. Tell me about mm. what it is and how did it come to be? Oh, well, it, it's it's why I started my own coaching practice. So, you know, I was in politics for two, uh, 25 years mm-hmm. working on electoral and issue politics. Mm. Um, yeah. And my very last job, I was working for a solar company, lobbying municipalities to hire us and, mm. and, and hire us as their like city, you know, the city contractor. Right. Um, and I had written my book. When I Die, Take My Panties. Mm-hmm. And it had been a four-year process of going through seven rewrites. Wow. Um, and it was about to come out and I had this full-time job. So I had hired a publicist to help me. And it was, you know, my goal with that book is to find a way to educate women about ovarian cancer because it's the most deadly. Yeah. It's hard to diagnose. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, we, I know of at least three women whose lives have been saved by some of the, the tips and the tools in the book. Great. And every time I look at heaven and say, thanks mom, we got one, yeah. et cetera. So, yeah. um, uh, the, the day before, I didn't know what day that week my book was going to come out. And as it turned out the day before I was laid off and my whole department oh. was dismantled because the entire company went through a complete reorganization wow. and refocus of their strategic priorities. Wow. And yeah. And, uh, I had a severance package, mm-hmm. really nice severance package, but I sat there going, okay, you know, it took me about a week and said, this is four, four jobs in four years mm-hmm. that you were laid off of reorganization mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. as I was writing the book. Wow. And I meditated and I prayed about it quite honestly. And then a friend of mine called me within a matter of five minutes. I got, there was a bigger purpose for me. Hmm. And that purpose was to make a difference and empower people and educate women about ovarian cancer. And I realized that at that stage of my life, I just turned 55. So Mm -hmm. this is, you know, I was 52 around the stage of our late, anybody is, you know, they call it the midlife crisis. (laughs) I call it the, right. Yeah. I call it the soul life crisis. Okay. Because your soul is crying out and saying, Hey, yo, 
Yeah. Wake, wake up. up. <laughs> you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, what you incarnated for in the first place. And you've got to get busy because you ain't got much time left. Right. At the age of, you know, because what's the average lifespan? Mid 70s. Hmm. So I always joke and say, I'm, I'm on my way out more than I'm on my way in at this <laughs> point in my life. So it became a journey of me working, doing self-reflection and working with my own coaches to discover what my true purpose was. Yeah. So hence my love of working with people in that age bracket is I want to help people identify and fulfill their soul purpose. And okay. that's the point of this eight-week program. I can either do it through a, you know, an intensive, we do like a three month, almost like a boot camp overhaul or for many busy people at that time in our lives, we're still, you know, we have either our kids are going off to college or about to, or maybe Mm -hmm. we're on our second marriage Mm -hmm. with little kids or newly single. And we're at a point in our career that we're probably C-suite level or, you know, but maybe not fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, we're not fulfilled in those things. And so it's, Eight tools, fifteen minutes, uh, fifteen minutes each week that you use one of those tools, and then mm-hmm. we hop on a call mm-hmm. and kind of dive deep to uncover what's between you and being truly fulfilled and fulfilling on your soul's purpose. And it takes eight weeks, and it was a fun to design, and it's fun to coach people in, and we have a blast. We have to laugh. We have That's to cool. laugh. Of course, yeah. You got to put humor yeah. in everything. We've already learned this, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, uh, so let me ask you, you know, and that's just something that obviously this show focuses on how to make meaning in your work and find purpose in your life. And you're helping people discover that soul purpose. What do you think is the biggest obstacle to discovering that? You know, what do you, what do you see most commonly? That's a good question. I would say it's a couple of things. One is I feel as if when we're in our 20s and 30s, we're really following someone else's blueprint. Yeah, sure. What we feel our parents expect of us or what our friend group expects, what's the norm. I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, obviously. (laughs) Um, Or what we believe we should be doing. Right, right. So there's either, it's all comparison, comparison of myself to others, comparison of myself to what my parents expect, comparison and expectations, comparison of myself to what I expect myself to do. And I think often we might have had these amazing dreams when we were a kid that we never followed through on. And it always is um, very inspiring to me when I see and and hear about people like Lady Gaga or um, Ellen DeGeneres who visualized, you know, from the, she was at her worst yeah. And there's a story that she was living in her friend's basement uh-huh. and she was, you know, doing comedy and uh, said to herself, I'm going to be the first female comic on Johnny Carson and he's going to ask me to sit in the chair, which he didn't usually do. Uh-huh. And that happened because she kept visualizing it. I think so often, I think many artists mm-hmm. will follow that passion and that dream, but the rest of us who don't have a particular creative bent, for example, don't don't pay attention to the same signs and 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 symbols to yeah. tell ourselves to mm-hmm. um, follow that path. I think that's the big one. I think the other piece is we don't spend enough time quiet mm. and unplugged from yeah. technology right. with our own company. Do you like the company you keep? Huh. 
I love that. That makes you think. You know, it is interesting. I do feel that who we are as children, we really know ourselves and we know what we love to do and what we do well, what feeds us. And we do lose that as we get older. Some people luckily don't, but I think most people do. And if you can get back to that that younger person that you were, you can probably pretty easily discover your purpose. Absolutely. And it's... it's um I love that you said that because, yeah, we know who we're, what do you want to be? I want to be a a speed racer and a garbage man and president, and then (laughs) I'm going to be a secretary. When I was six, I wanted to be a secretary. I would stack (laughs) books and papers on my desk, and my parents would freak out. What are you doing? It's dirty in here. Put that stuff away. No, I want to be a secretary. That's funny. That's what I want to do because that was my, my role model. But, yeah, that's one of the exercises in the Discover Yourself series or uh, finding, you know, the eight weeks to soulful living is what makes your heart sing? What did you love to do as a kid? And it's just tragic that we lose that, you know, that, that we somehow have to get back there instead of just staying in that place. Um, I mean, I feel like as a parent, you know, that's my job is to encourage my kids to be who they're meant to be and not tell them they can't do something or steer them in a more lucrative direction. Um, And I'll say, you know, one of my kids when she thinks about careers, it's always about, well, this one pays more. And I'm like, oh, don't do that. Just just do what you love. You know, Find where you're meant to be, where it doesn't feel like work. Um, but sometimes yep. it's not even just parents. It's societal dictates. It's, it's peer group. It's so many different pressures um, for those expectations, which, which help us um, sort of wander away from our, our purpose that we always know. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because you're told to be more responsible. Yeah. And be an adult and to grow up. Right. Well, guess what? <laughs> yes, exactly. You got to get back there at some point. So it, wow. maybe the adults have to, uh, I don't know, grow down or unadult or quit taking life so seriously. Yeah, back <laughs> off, you know, come on, yeah. throw some back humor off, in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, yeah. Jen Koken, um, before we sign off, I want to ask you to share with our listeners um, any advice you might have for how they can make meaning and find purpose. Well, I think um, the best um, piece of advice I can I can do is take that time to be quiet, or say is take that time to be quiet, mm-hmm. and begin to listen to your heart and mm-hmm. ask yourself, what does my heart want? Yeah, that's um, a good question. Yeah, what does my heart want? Uh, I also invite your listeners and you and everybody to stay in curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is connected to not taking things personally because the universe is not out to get us. Neither is anybody else. Right. Right. Oh, I'm curious why you just cut in front of me. You must be in a big hurry or maybe you're playing the game called I go first. So I'm going to (laughs) follow. Right. That must be the game that you're playing. Um, So I think getting that quiet time, staying in curiosity and don't take things personally would be all the recommendations I would have. And maybe it's for a couple minutes a day envisioning yourself, ask yourself the question, what what am I here to do? What am I here? What's my soul's purpose? And even ask that question before you go to bed because brains love to chew on problems when we sleep. Interesting dreams come forth, you know. Well, this is great. Jen Koken, it's so great to speak with you. Thank you for being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for having this conversation be alive in the world. It's so important. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you would share our great conversations with your people so we can all add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.